Mambo Vipi, what's happening? My name is Aniko Owoko and I am a lover of art, culture and everything African. And here, we grant you front row access to your favorite celebrities, creators, the biggest personalities and industry experts. Come with me, you're now a VIP. Hello and welcome to VIP Access Podcast. My name is Aniko Owoko and I'm very happy to have our VIP Access community in the building. (laughs) Thank you all so much for coming out here to support me, to support this dope podcast called VIP Access. VIP Access is a music and culture podcast Every day, I'm speaking to different industry professionals, musicians, superstars, and somebody who's going to inspire you if you work in the creative sector. And that's why I have special guests in the building, these babes. I stand these babes. I have Nonsizi Agnes. Yes. What's up, girl? What's up? (laughs) (laughs) So Nonsizi Agnes is a PR professional. She has her PR agency called Terrazzo Media. She's also a media personality and hosts a vernacular show in Kikuyu. Kameme. Yeah, Kameme. Yeah, Yeah, so big up. (laughs) Thank you so much. I also have a PR professional, but also a musician and also an artist. You are a digital artist by profession. Yes, so Olivia Ambani, and I'm a singer-songwriter. So thank you, thank you so much for having me. And I've been on VIP Access, and it was an absolute treat. Like, yeah, thank you, thank you. Was it? (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for coming through. The reason why we are having this conversation, we are just about to have an open Q&A session on essentials for PR and branding. But the reason why we're doing this is not the topic. It's the fact that we've always been in conversation. We've always wanted to do something together. And I think this pop-up was an opportunity for us to merge forces. And what better way than, you know, bring all these publicists from different backgrounds. Olivia is a musician and a publicist. You are a media personality still on TV and a publicist. I left TV, now I'm in podcasting. Um, I think Mike... Your partner um, is also a talent manager. He also has a podcast. So what better way, what better time than do it this way? I'm very thankful to you all for this opportunity to sit with you. For me, one of the highlights of my journey has been being able to share my knowledge, which is why I'm here. I've been fortunate enough to be nominated for the All Africa Music Awards twice. Thank you. (laughs) For Songwriter of the Year in Africa and Best Inspirational Artist. I won a Cafe Goma Award, which I'm super, super honored by. Songwriter of the Year. I really wanted that one. And my community pulled through. Like, they voted, you know. So, And for me, just I make a combination of music. I believe that we don't have to necessarily have genres. They're important. But you can break them. So I do a mix of things. Electronic, pop, Afro house, in a way. And pop soul. So I'm really excited about today's conversation as I get to share, you know, my journey as an artist and as a publicist and marketing consultant. I am a music publicist and uh, I would like to consider myself a music consultant because I have been in the creative and the music space for over eight years now. I'm headed to 10. So... 
I've been a publicist. I've been involved in management. I've been involved in, you know, everything behind the scenes production. And currently, I am on TV. So I host a vernacular show called Rekirada. Yeah, when the sun is coming out. That's what it means. Every morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And on Fridays, I get to host Kikuyu artists who are doing well. So even the ones who are coming up. So for me, I have interacted with the media from a publicist side and I'm also now on the side of the media so when I'm talking I'll be sharing from both sides and I'm glad to be here seated with these women please let's give them their flowers and a round of applause and Nico congratulations for what you're doing and Olivia being an independent artist is not easy yo <laughs> thank you <laughs> Yeah, so I told you these ladies are amazing. So without further ado, we're going to get straight to it. I think we are talking about the essentials of PR and branding, especially for artists and creatives. And when you talk about creatives, we don't just mean musicians. We talk about podcasters. We talk about fashion designers, graphic designers, photographers. Even if you're a photographer, you need to put your work out there. You need to get booked. Anybody who is in the performing space session musicians, if you're a guitarist, camera people, you need to market yourself so you're able to get gigs. How do you do this? What's the kind of PR and branding that you can take up for yourself? So we actually divided some pointers that we all want to talk about. And I will start with your brand story. I think it's very important to zero down on your brand story. And I want to explain what this means. I think when it comes to PR and branding, a lot of people see successful artists who have done successful things and think, okay, I want to be like that person. But ask yourself, well, if you become like Chimano, then what? What's next? So before you start to see where you want to be placed, I think it's very important to determine who am I? What is my brand story? What is my identity? As cliche as it sounds, we are all unique in our own ways. And even if there are two similar designers designing using the same material, something will be different. There will be a different cut. If there are two musicians who are performing hip-hop, someone will be different from the other. So I think it's very important to zero in on your brand story. And then when it comes to your brand story, a lot of artists, especially those who are coming up, they feel like, I haven't won any awards, I don't have any nominations, I don't have an album, I don't have an EP, so I don't really have a story. And they send you their bio and it's literally three songs that they released over the past year and you're like, no, I haven't read your story. So I want to encourage you to dig deep into your interests, your inspiration. So that is part of your brand story, where you grew up, you know, the kind of family you had. These are things people want to read in your bio, and these are things you most likely don't have in your bio. Don't be afraid to tap into your background. Some people feel like, because I came from Kayole, I don't want to talk about it. Because I came from Dandora, I don't want to talk about it, but it's okay. I mean, I came from Molo. I did not come from Nairobi, and I'm very proud of that. So part of saying your background, where you're from, the challenges, the things that inspired you, the kind of artist who've inspired you, that is part of your brand story. And when you share that in your bio and say a festival artist reads it, they can tell the kind of artist you are, the kind of flair in terms of your sound. So even if you're trying to pitch yourself for a festival and say, I love Costa Ujuang, I love Hat the Band, 
they inspire me so much. They'll be like, okay, I get that kind of artist they are. But then if you write a different kind of group of artists, maybe hip-hop artists, they'll be like, maybe they're hip-hop artists. So even explaining what your inspirations are and which people inspired you is part of defining who you are. So it doesn't matter whether you're an artist with one song or an album and an EP, or it doesn't matter if you don't have any awards or nominations. I think you can have at least one pager that describes who you are in terms of your background, your upbringing, your interests, when did you start doing music, and where are you looking to go? I think some of these things are very important, especially for us PR people when we are pitching you out, because the media people are having to interview so many people. Sometimes they just ask you, tell me about your artist, like give me five things that make your artist stand out. They don't even want to hear five songs, but they want to know what are the things. So I think going back to the drawing board and writing down your brand story is very important. I've realized as a consumer of music, I bond with different artists because of different things. I will bond with an artist because of a song, but if I hear, for example, maybe they schooled the same school I went to, like, gosh, we went through the same problems and you turned out like this. So I will bond with an artist because of different things. Oh my God, you like wearing this. So whatever might look so minimal to you in terms of probably where you come from, what you're wearing, who inspired you, it could be that thing that will get you a fan or someone to bond with you even before I hear your music. I want to bond with you in such aspect because artists are human beings first before they are creatives. Yeah, that's what I wanted to add. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm going to talk about something that I'm very passionate about, and it is professionalism in the creative space. Whether you're an artist, whether you're a stylist, whether you're a photographer, the importance of professionalizing what you're doing, it is going to edge away the jokers or people who are not serious, you know? And when I'm talking about professionalism is... Things like, do you have your photos well put together? You're an artist. Do you understand why you need good images? Do you understand why you need to dress a certain way when you're going somewhere? Do you understand why you need to stand out? Because most artists struggle with the idea of, oh, I will attract attention. You're an artist. You're supposed to be a star. And it starts there. As an artist, as you continue growing, whether you have two, three songs, when you're called to perform, because you never know who's going to discover you, when they ask you how much you're supposed to be paid, do you have an idea of how people who are coming up are being paid? Do you have a rate card? And I'm not saying you send rate cards because there's a client who could have a budget of $1,000, the other person could have, you know, it's good to have an idea and to ask those questions because the one thing that you need is people who are going to buy into your vision. But people buy into your vision when they structure. We've come a long way. First of all, let's clap for our industry. <laughs> Before I start bashing, we've come a long way because I know Nazizi will be in the house and I know where she has come from. And you could have shared the story with Saotiso. But still, we have a long way to go, but we've come from somewhere. But structures are not there. So it is you to start creating structures for your creative business. Whether you're an artist, you know, the essentials you need to have, the EPK, the bio, like the way Aniko has asked for. Most of the time we are on this other side of the media. Let's say you're going to be interviewing artist X. So it is me to embark on my research. For those of us who do research, yeah, we are still big on research. There are still some of us who are professional. And you go on the internet, nothing. 
You ask them for their bio, nothing. So it leaves me in such a place. And the director is like, you know, CZ, we are going live in three, two, two one. one. Go. And then you don't have to be the kind of presenter asking, hey, hey, so where do you want? You do come from? I want to come from a point of... What you, kind of music do you do? You, do? Do? <laughs> you know, I want to come from a point of, Molo was great. How was it? So that I already have something to work with. I'm building the questions from your bio. So professionalism is very key. And professionalism, even in terms of respecting other people's time so that they can respect you. I have seen artists, I've seen creatives, they are dope because dopeness is one thing that we can't negotiate. But if you're dope and you're not keeping time, I have seen video producers, they arrive two hours after the artist and they're like, they're appearing, they're like, they're superstars. Clarence Peters, yes, from Nigeria, that guy arrives there before you. If he tells you we are starting at 10 a.m., my friend, your team better be there. And if you're not starting at 10 a.m., you better tell him why not. So whatever field you're in, whether you're a photographer, videographer, learn to be there on time. Communicate if you're going to mess up somebody because time is money. And the one thing that we are all looking for in this space is money. Another thing when it comes to professionalism, get professionals. You can't handle everything. So if you're getting a publicist, get a publicist with professional. We have people who are masquerading around saying they're managers, they're publicists, and we know them. But what do they have to show? So because for you to be professional, you also have to work with professionals for you to put out something good out there. And I know it doesn't come easy. There's a lot of shopping to do. We are few and we would love more people to come on board and that's why we are here. And if you're an upcoming publicist or you're budding and you're interested in this, please come join us because... We can't even handle the artists. We, we can't, you know. And as much as you're getting professional, know what they're doing. Know what the publicist is doing. We have a book, my husband and I, because we have Terrazzo, which is our company. We have a book that says, be your own publicist. So that when you're starting and you can't get me, because either I'm booked or maybe my fee is high, and the little money you have, you're trying to spread it to other things. Understand what goes on behind there. Understand how to approach a radio presenter. Understand that we keep calling them so that when you're calling, asking, why have I not gotten the trend? Uh -huh. So understand whatever each professional is doing. What is a lawyer doing? Go through the contract before you go ask those questions, you know, so that as much as these people are coming on board, you know what they're doing. If you're getting a business manager, get a business manager to develop your business and have something they can manage fast. If you're getting someone to help you with your day-to-day -day activities, are they professional? And then... I have had to deal with artists who, they were not maybe professional, but we start professionalizing things. People drop off. And now, Karemi amekua maringo. You know? Sooner or later, they will get into your groove. The people who want to work with you will work with you. Jokers will drop off. So don't feel like now when you're putting structures and the industry has no structures, you're going to miss out. You will miss out for a while, but you will start earning. And people will know, this is Agnes, this is her red card, and when I call her, she delivers. When I pay her the money, she delivers. Her team will send me the stuff. So it's a matter of time. People will drop off fast. The people who will be serious with you will be on board with you, and you will make your Okay, money. they want to clap for you. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Hiya. I don't know. Continue. You start professionalizing your things, 
you even hear in those meetings because we know we get those conversations and hey, nowadays anyiko is untouchable man did you see what the red card she sent did you see she sent a manager to come and talk to us did you see now we can't reach her directly it's okay every artist even if you're booking who sinach you don't talk to them directly do you so the structures and when you put them these people will help you put your brand to the next level and i want to add something to the publicists i know there are a lot of budding publicists but i want to say something it's also very important for you as a publicist to know your lane you need to know your lane you're not the person to be at chatting with the artists you know when people ask like how did you manage to work with all these artists how yeah. do you do it i don't know how i did it but i think i did it by staying on my lane you know talk to the manager unless if somehow the manager is not coming through which is unusual and there are certain managers who don't come through or block their own artists and I still don't understand that's a podcast for another day but let's just assume we have a manager and an artist who work hand in hand work well deal with the manager directly if there is like a publicist deal with the publicist of that artist directly but as a publicist know your lane don't sumboa artist even when the artist is late don't start to ask him where are you i don't know what because you don't know where this artist was you don't know whether they were writing music until morning so i think one problem when it comes to building brands for us pr people is we have to also give the artist space in a professional manner so what are the professional channels so something went wrong yes you can sit down and discuss it with the manager but i think there must also be that chain of command yeah. where it's it's not like a showdown be- between the publicist and manager because the question for the publicist is after this showdown will this artist want to come back to and me. work with me and my question to myself is if every artist comes to me for one project and never comes back which brands am i building how can i show what i have done because building a brand is not one press mm-hmm. release one media tour right yeah yes those are yeses yes okay good and then i wanted to add something on your point about being professional being professional is not just about all the things she talked about which is very important but i think also your brand story and your outward look okay you can have the bios looking really good your manager doing the pitches you are on radio everywhere and then you show up guys are like is this that artist but i think it's very unprofessional for an artist to show up looking unkempt not looking like a star i mean this is unprofessional you are a superstar why are you not looking like a superstar that is unprofessional to me when you have the artists performing with bands the artists are all dressed up they are dancing then you look at their band members they are wearing all random stuff i don't know no color coordination nothing no thought process i think that's very unprofessional for the session musicians to come and play just dressed down like why do you dress up on sunday why do you dress up to a wedding but you don't dress up to work or artists come to an interview hair not done no makeup you didn't even try to put a blush and you're a film star that's very unprofessional you know certain things people don't consider unprofessional but i will say it out here today it's unprofessional to be unkempt as an artist in your right spaces you got to show up and show out it's not just your music or the performance but it's your look Right now what are people discussing about Beyoncé? Are they not discussing she had the highest grossing tour ever? But also the look, right? Yeah. 
dropping gems. So just to wrap up so that I can hand over to Olivia. Professionalism will keep you in the game. The talent might bring you here. The consistency will keep you there, but please let it go hand in hand with that because even for the levels that you want to go to attract investors, because that's another cry we've been having in this country. I understand there are some investors, but they've been so heartbroken because of the way the artists are. So if you are an artist and you know you have a good vision and you know you can go somewhere, get people to support it and they can be on consultancy basis. You don't have to have your lawyer full-time. You don't even have to have us full-time, not unless you know it's really, really dire. Your manager needs to be there full-time when you can afford one and you know how you're going to get into it. But they can buy into your vision. That's a conversation for a whole other day. But for you to go to that level, for you to attract investors, people who are going to buy into your vision, because someone is going to spend their money, their million on you, they better know that this money will have accountability to it. I know team artists who even have accountants who know how, which money was spent, how, which video was paid, how much did we do, so all that as it progresses. And as much as you're starting, it's good to have it as a vision and you go articulating as you get there. And of course, it's a journey and we all learn. But again, to publicists who are coming up as well, it's good also for you to look the part. For you to look the part, for you to be professional, for you to know when you enter the studio, you're not the star, you're not the artist. So for you to let the artist be, take the photos necessary, you know, because I have tried to mentor publicists and they get starstruck. And now the work ends there. Hey, the work cannot go. Who is that? So soon in that, oh, the work cannot continue. So you need to calm down. After that, you can always just have your moment. But when it's work, it's work. And I realized the artists listen to people who know what they're doing. The artists could come and say, I want this and this. I'm like, fine, I hear you. But I think if we do this and this, we are going to get this. So yeah, that's my take. I wanted to add something. We get starstruck so much, but you will never know. I will never say I don't get star. Every yeah. time I'm with, I don't know who, everyone, even Saudi Soul, I still get starstruck. Yeah. So it's just to know how to, you know, act like you're not starstruck. <laughs> I always say, like, just act cool about it. You know, when the artist comes, it's just like, hi, nice to see you. Because you also have to make them feel like you're treating them like a normal yeah. person and make them feel that you're comfortable being around them and you'll concentrate on your job. So we're not saying that you will not get starstruck, yeah. but just act like you're not starstruck. I think they've all made such really, really valid points. So I'm just going to add on three things that I feel every artist needs to have in terms of assets. The first one was already mentioned before, and that's a bio or a music profile. I cannot emphasize how important it is for you to have one. When I've been creating mine, it's my way to pitch my story. And something I always love to remind myself is, if I don't tell my own story, who will? Yeah. So even as an artist, talk about it. You won an award, talk about it. You're working on an album, talk about it. It's really, really important. You've performed somewhere, talk about it. I think as artists, sometimes you can feel like, am I saying too much about myself? Should I keep things secret? People will discover it somewhere in the midst of my social media. No. You have to pitch yourself. So one, your music profile. The second thing is professional photos. It's so, so important, especially if you want to be booked for media or even an event, you need those professional photos. Not just lovely selfies that we love and they're great, 
but professional photos. And these days, honestly, there's lots of photographers who do like 3,000 shillings for 10 photos. And it's good to try and update them based on your current brand. The third thing is a smart link or a short link. You know, when someone is asking you for, give me your social media, give me your music, create a link tree or something similar to that that has everything in one. So you don't have to send multiple links. You send one link, it's done. You want to listen to music, one link. You've been featured in a, you know, something, it's all on that link. So a smart link. Any artist, whether you're a musician, whether you're fashion, stylist, it doesn't matter. I've gotten a lot of people asking me, how do you get booked for events? How do I get featured in different things? It goes back to the thing I said, if you don't tell your story, who will? If you want to be booked for an event, you have to show people that you can perform. Yeah. So for me as an artist, even if all I can afford is with my phone, I'm singing a cappella in the bathroom, I am going to do it. Because how else will you know I can sing live? So if you're an artist and you're saying, I don't have budget, I don't, no, start with singing a cappella and post it on your social media. If you want to book a gig of a festival with a band, get your band together, go to a rehearsal space, record on your phone, and show that you can do it. So a lot of times people don't get gigs because you're not showing people that you can do it. And then the other thing is go to the place that you want to perform, see the artists that are there, converse with them, and maybe even ask who books for that space. Because every space has a booker. So find out who those bookers are and make sure that you're prepared to be professional, as they were saying. Because at the end of the day, if someone books you and you don't deliver a show, so I guess the last point on being booked is practice, practice, practice to deliver a kick show. Even if there's no one in the audience or one person in the audience, I've performed in places where there are three people, and I was like, I don't care. I'm going to perform like it's a 1,000 people in the stadium. And from that, someone booked me for another gig and another gig and another gig. So there's never a small gig. There's never a small performance. So, yeah, and then I guess final, final, <laughs> is your social media is so important. Right now, we're in the age where you can connect directly with your audience. What do you want to tell them? What do you want to say? You're the one who can say the most about you, not even your publicist. Your publicist will take a cue from you, yeah. right? So it's really important. When it comes to your social media, curate it. What do you want to talk about your journey? Don't just always post about your music. Post about your journey. Maybe you're inspired by someone. Talk about that. You have other interests. Talk about that. Because remember, your audience are people. They're not robots. And also, if you're trying to get brand deals, they want to see what else do you do, right? If you like fashion, then it's easy for them to pitch in there. If you like this. So all these things I know can seem a lot, but I say start with one thing. Pick one thing that we've said today and say, I'm going to focus on doing that and then keep on doing it and keep on improving. And it's a journey. You won't get it all right the first time, but if you keep on going, keep on networking, keep on talking, putting yourself out there, I'm telling you, nobody can stop you. Allow me to add something you said about practicing, and um, especially artists who are performing live. Eh? You could ask, where am I going to get money for rehearsal space and all that? I really want to emphasize the importance of investing into your own career before anybody else comes to invest. Have even a small budget, the smallest budget you can have. Because the one thing, if I want to invest in your career, and I, in, when to investment, you even talk about time. Because, you know, when you hear investment, you think it's money. What time are you investing practicing vocally? 
What time are you investing practicing that guitar, that key? I'm seeing Kasiva here, shout out. That drum, you know? What time are you investing doing what you love, you know? So before you even translate to money, what are you investing? Because at one point you have to invest something. Even you being here, it's an investment of your time to network. So it might not be money-wise, and also money-wise, it has to translate. There are some things, before you meet your ROI, you will put in money. Sometimes it might be for a long time. And that's why Ambani is saying, have other things that can bring finances into your career, or rather into your music or main thing, so that it can support it going. So if you can cook, can brands cook, oil come and bring your whatever into your cooking as you sing for people. If you can wear fashion, if whatever it is, have other things that can bring money into your main thing. So we have to diversify so that we can really, really invest. Yeah, I want to say that's a very good point because when you're speaking, I'm thinking about my own journey, my own experience. And some of my very first work opportunities yeah. came from me investing in myself, but not financially, just investing time to do the things I love to do. So I have a blog. It's actually aniko.blog, and I used to write poetry, and black, it's Black, black Roses. Rose. Yeah, but, black but it's www.aniko.blog, yeah. but it's Black Roses. Okay, this is a fan of Aniko. I know, from Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I used to write music reviews and stuff. That was before my very first like paid professional writing for print. And I remember I got a call from a magazine and they said, we would like to have you review some music for our magazine. I was like, yeah, sure. They're like, we read all your reviews. We love them and uh, we'll pay you. And I think at that time, because I was quite young, I wasn't exposed. I didn't know I'm supposed to be paid for this writing. I said, but I'm not a professional writer. But then they told me it doesn't matter. We love your writing. So if you think about it, that was me investing in myself, like putting all those things because if they would search somewhere and not find those things, they wouldn't know about me. So investing yourself is not just monetarily. It's also time-consuming, but also it's in developing a part of your talent and part of your brand in your available platforms. Yeah. So if you're a musician and uh, you don't have any recording, are you able to record something and put on SoundCloud? I don't know, from your phone? Because right now, even I was surprised, I was like, WhatsApp audio is actually quite dope. Now we are doing interviews with artists using WhatsApp audio. Like, can you sing something and put it on SoundCloud? That's like for free. And then you could send that demo to producers and say, do you like me? And then my first broadcast gig on radio on BBC, I also just got called for the job because I used to go to University of Nairobi yeah. and obviously I'm the one putting together friends and things. So BBC team used to come to the university to talk to students. Like, we are here at the University of Nairobi, we want to talk to students. So I was always the first one to talk, to talk, to talk. And at some point they were like, can you get us other people? I was like, yeah, sure. So I used to go bring people and I kind of interviewed them. I asked them, what are you going to say? Because I also didn't want to bring five people and all of them are not good interviewees. So I used to do that. I was like always a producer in my head. Yeah. And so after a while, they're like, do you want to come intern at the BBC? Because we've seen your potential. And I was like, yeah, sure. That's how I got to the BBC. I interned there. Then I got my uh, a short contract after interning for like two years. But that's the story of how I got into broadcast, by volunteering my time, my effort. So don't wait 
until you have a professional job to rally a group of people to organize an event. Don't wait till you're a professional writer for Daily Nation before you write a review. You know, just use your own platform to share your own story or share your own interest and someone might see and they might want to pay you for that because basically we're all being paid for our interest. Yeah, absolutely. And I have countless stories of that. By me just showing up and sharing my journey, I've been found like online. A recent story, I got a, like a label from London, reach out because they heard a song somewhere. They DM'd me and they're like, we like your voice. We like what you did on this record. Do you want to collaborate? I was like, yeah. And then it turned into an Electro House EP that happened to be played on BBC Radio. But if I wasn't, thank you. <laughs> but if I wasn't accessible, if I wasn't checking my DMs, if I wasn't responding to them, it would be really difficult for them to find me. And sometimes it's in the very little things. But you have to be present. You have to be consistent. And a thing I really would like to add is mind who is in your circle. What do I mean? If you're around people who are always negative about artists, they're talking you down, they're saying this thing will never work, our country is like this, uh, 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 you will stay at the level of your circle and your friends and what people are saying. So what I'm trying to say is if you have negative people in your circle, probably you will have a negative life. If you want to rise, if you want to be great, then you have to curate who is around you. You want to get to the top. You want people who are talking big things. Who will tell you, yes, that might be challenging, but let's do this. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, look at what Aniko is doing. Like, let's just applaud her for the amazing work she's doing, right? You know, I mean, she didn't get here by just saying, okay, I guess it might not work. She was like, I'm going to try. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to invest. So I'm just really encouraging you to know that, yes, PR is important, but you are your biggest publicist. You're your biggest publicist. And if anyone tells you you're talking too much about yourself, move on. They're not the person for you. Because you need to grow and you need to tell your story. Yeah. Drops mic. <laughs> oh my God. This was supposed to be an open Q&A, but now we've taken over. So I'm just wondering if there are any questions. Yeah. I met somebody at the beautiful wall back there. Yeah. Well, it's really beautiful, by the way. Yeah, thank you to <laughs> Shane Events and obviously the Australian High Commission for making that happen. I met somebody there and they said, I came here for the PR talk. Who was it? Yeah. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi, Aniko. I'm such a huge fan of yours. I came specifically for this session. I am a communications assistant at Royal Nairobi Golf Club. And I really want to know more about PR, especially the communication part of it, considering AI being around. So I'm really happy to be here. I'm really humbled. I thought Aniko would like be in a VIP section, won't greet anyone, but I'm so happy to meet you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to learn more. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hi everyone. Hi. My name is Agnes, like Nonsinzi, <laughs> and I'm at Mdundo. And our platform really caters for hyper-local artists. So I'm really curious to know what opportunities are there for hyper-local artists in the PR space. Are you people taking hyper-local artists? Would you do a whole campaign for Samido, for Musa Jakadala? Just <laughs> oh, yeah, curious yeah, to know about that. <laughs> so hyper-local artists are... Okay, let me try and explain, because I can see Kasivas here. Yeah, not really doing mainstream. It's what I'm saying, vernacular. So if you go to the Nyanza area, you know, the Kinatoni Nyandundo, you know, yeah, you get... 
Apparently, Mdundo have a name for them, hyperlocal artists. They clap for them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we come to Centro, there's a bunch who are singing Kikuyu and they're doing well. Samitos, Gatutura, Joyce Wamama, all of those. When you go to the eastern side, the Kambas, so that's that. I can say it is a space that has so much potential when it comes to PR. Because I see some of these stories and I'm like, woi. Boy, that too should have swung differently, but it has gone. But again, it's not something that is there. So we are trying to go there slowly because when you're introducing change to artists, there's a way they know how they work. And I usually even tell the artists who are coming into the market, this market you're seeing here, urban market, that's a whole other market. There are artists who are earning without even being known here on you. There's a whole audience that's vernacular, and if you've met that audience, you know how diehard they are. If the artists who are performing, they're those ones you are calling hyper, local artists. Every day, like if you go to some middle social media page, how many have seen that poster? Have you seen his gigs? They are lined up up to the 30th part like this. I'm wondering, when will this dude sleep? So there's a whole space for everybody there, for managers, because even when I meet their managers, necessarily they're not doing the work of managing, but it's what they know. So as we are going into that market, we are going with caution, because you don't tell them, you've been doing things the wrong way, and this is how you do this. It's trying to go with new information, and how we can fuse with whatever has been working for them to bring improvement to them. And I've seen most of them are embracing like the photos, they're now having bios. When you talk and you go to their interviews, you can be able to curate something, but there's an opportunity there. So if you are interested, you don't necessarily have to come to the what we're calling up market. There's a space there, but of course, approach with caution because there's what they know that has been working for them but if you show them if you do this it's going to work for you definitely they will embrace that yeah so there's an opportunity for all practitioners managers publicists photographers stylists makeup artists it's a whole conversation but slowly you introduce pole pole yeah hello everybody aniko thank you so much for this space Mine's not a question. I think it's just a comment. I'm really happy to see non-artists in this space. And when I say non-artists, I mean the people in the corporate sector. I'm a heavy believer, and I think you'll agree with me when I say there's a big, big disconnect between artists and the corporate space. And once the corporate space learns how artists operate, how our work looks like, what goes into art, I think they're going to accord creatives the respect they deserve, not need, and the financial remuneration that matches to that. And thank you so much for creating a space that delicately brings artists and the people for 8 to 5 together. Because we are the people that bring fun to their lives. We are the people that break the monotony of their lives. So... Thank you so much for creating a space where we can coexist delicately and in a well-balanced manner. Asante Nisana. My name is Maya Rivenberg and I'm an artist manager and director of Kipepeo Agency. I'm very happy. I know all of you lovely ladies here. And thank you so much, Aniko, for bringing us all together in this space. It's so important for us to have these kinds of conversations. 
So my question is about, I will maybe unfairly call lazy journalism. Like when you send out a press release and you have written a very beautiful press release. I'm very blessed. We work with Alfayo, who has been working with Aniko in the past. So we have beautiful press releases and you send it out and then it's just copy and paste. Even there's points of click here for links and things and they have copied like the whole thing. <laughs> so... Yeah, sometimes it is the lack of professionalism maybe on the artist side, but there is also sometimes lack of professionalism in the media space. Yeah, yeah. And I know people get tired and, okay, we several put it out, so okay, we just copy and paste. But how do we overcome this? Because even some of my artists have been like, I don't want to have a million articles which are just copy and paste of my press release. We want quality things, not quantity. Yeah. And it's something we have looked into in changing our PR strategies. So just... Yeah, your thoughts about that. How do we uplift and empower these journalists to actually want to, yeah, I love your press release. Come on, let's do an interview together. Or I can take the press release and write something based on what I've received, not just copy and pasting. That question, hey, I, I have experienced that as an artist. <laughs> Even in interviews, I'm like, whoa. So I think one of the things I found super useful is as an artist or publicist as well is highlight the journalists who are doing the thing. Right, those who are really excellent, right? It's important for us to know who the excellent ones are and go to them. That's the first thing, like spotlight who they are because there are people out there as well who are doing amazing work and they can cover really great things. So the first thing is spotlighting them. And then I guess the second one about like the laziness, I think sometimes I try and challenge the people and I say, you know, there's another take that you can have and also explaining the process. I feel what Kasiva said is really important about the disconnect sometimes there is this feeling that maybe the artist is begging like they think like we need them but it's two-way right we need them and they need us they need content so also trying to help break down that process it can be frustrating but to bring down to the human level and be like we're working in this together if you do a good article and you look good i look good we all win yeah. right so i think it's really important for us to Sometimes call people out in a subtle way and be like, okay, that was interesting. I would have preferred. Sometimes I do this personally. If I'm in an interview, someone is asking me questions and I can clearly see they do not want me to be yeah. there or have, they have not done their homework. I pivot the question and say, so what I would prefer to talk about is, and I change it to what I want to talk about. Yeah. So sometimes it will take us doing that work, but I'm very curious to also hear from my fellow experts what they would do. <laughs> so... As publicists, we know. We know who writes what and we know who interviews how and who does what. So I've been having this conversation saying that in every institution, if you're putting someone to deal with the creatives, please let them be passionate about what they are doing. That's one thing. Because some of these journalists, they're just doing it because it's a job. But if you have someone who's really interested in doing and bringing out the best in this artist, and it's not the gossip we are talking about, you know? If we're talking about journalism, Telawange, she was here, and she's very passionate about bringing out the creatives. So uh, to support Kasiva, every corporate institution, Aki should have a person who is creative. They should have someone who knows what is happening on the ground. <laughs> I've had heartaches. I've got to event and then you ask these people, eh, which artist do you want to come? And they tell you artist X. I'm like, why? Then they don't know any other person. They just know artist X. Not that because artists Y has not been marketing themselves. 
the disconnect. The people in the hiring, the creative space, they have no idea of people who are budding. And that's why you will see the same people getting the same gigs. Because we have people who just relaxed. And they concluded it is Aniko, and I don't have a problem with Aniko getting all the gigs, but it's Aniko and Aniko forever until death do us part with Aniko. So I'm saying, be passionate. Whoever is going to be where, let them be passionate. Another thing is highlighting who does what. That's a good thing. And if your publicist tells that journalist, hey, we sent this and thank you for writing, but can we have a more interactive session next time? And when you're releasing something, if you know that this journalist doesn't do this, just try to prompt them to come and have a one-on-one Sometimes there are ish, ish about curating questions, but you can say we are more inclined to talking about this. So just try to guide, but in a clever way so that you avoid that. And when it comes to TV interviews, train your artists. As publicists, we train because media training is a part of, well, we have incorporated it in Terrazzo because we don't want to assume every artist know how to tell their story. You can be taught. You can be taught to talk. So if you realize the interviewer is diverting, you take control of the interview, you talk about what you had come to do there, you give out details about your project, and you're good to go. So sometimes some other things you don't have control, but whatever you have control, you can do it. Yes, Makofi, Makofi, Makofi. I actually don't have so much to add other than to say that the copy-pasting of the press releases I think it's a global problem, right? So I, it is. It happens in all markets, but yeah. to different degrees. Okay. And I think the Kenya media particularly are very good at that. They've perfected the copy-pasting. And for me, I don't want to say this as a bad thing because if I'm doing PR and I send out a press release and they all copy-paste it, it means that I've, I've done a very good job <laughs> and they've done a very good job to accept what I've shared or what I shared is so good that it was good enough to be copy-pasted. I think this just brings a question to the ones who are crafting these narratives. We're talking about the brand story. The question, I throw it back to you and the management, the artist, the PR. You must ask yourself, we have all these press releases copy-pasted. How many times will we have press releases copy-pasted? How else can we diversify our narrative? What are the other platforms? What are the other ways? Because what we usually do for our PR agency is we'll do the distribution, but we know the people we want to place the press release. Then we know where to get the feature story. So we'll pitch separately for the feature stories in advance yeah. so that we're also not pitching for a feature story when the press release is coming out because that's too late. So we try to pitch a couple of feature stories in advance. But then what Nonsizi said, even when it comes to interviews, you realize all the big hitters, all these morning shows, they don't have even 15 minutes for you. They're like, advert, I don't know what. So what we realized, we had to change our strategy because the artist goes to all these mainstream radio stations, money, time, but then the narrative hasn't been put out there. So the strategy also has to be balanced in that we're going to go to three morning shows, one evening show, and I don't know how many night shows or drive shows which have 30 minutes to talk to the artist because that's very important. I think a lot of people look for the most listeners. But let me tell you, you have more worth having 50 people all listen to you in 30 minutes other than a million people literally get no interview and you're just being cut off and it was ad, ad, ad because after that they don't even remember the name of your album. So it's sometimes a battle of 
quality over quantity, even though a lot of people want to go with quantity. A lot of managers want to see where their money went. Like we have to have been on all the top media stations, but does that give you the most value? Ask yourself. I think podcasting is also the new space for artists and managers to take their artists because it's a whole hour, it's a whole 45 minutes. And as a matter of fact, I would encourage artists to start looking at podcasting as a new way of presenting yourself, as your new bio. If you have a good podcast with somebody, send that to a client and say, this is me. Yeah. You can cut it even into 15 minutes and say, this is me, because it's Costa Joan talking about himself, it's Olivia, that's also your bio. So we just need to unpack the definition of this content. It doesn't only have to go in a press release, it can sit in a podcast, it can sit in a media interview. And if you have a couple of placements here and a couple of placements there, I think you win at the end of the day. Hi, my name is Lorella Joey. I am a casting director and filmmaker. Yay! Hey, hey, hey. Killing the game, killing the game, <laughs> casting everybody on international productions. And this lady was the first person who bought the first ticket to VIP access. Yeah, I know. So thank you, Lorella. Thank you. Thank you, Aniko. And this is awesome. Thank you so much. I have a question. I think it just goes uh, across the panel. For you as publicists and dealing with filmmakers, because Aniko, I know as I follow you, I see you've done some things here and there with Netflix. I'm curious to know how that crosses for you just in your line of work, because you've spoken so much about professionalism. How easy or hard has it been for you just to kind of maybe like dealing with a client like Netflix? trying to reach out to filmmakers, trying to do your job and also engage this other side of ours that I'm pretty much part of, but I know there can be hurdles here and there, especially when it comes to professionalism. So my experience working with Netflix, I would say has been very eye-opening, very challenging, but also very gratifying. The gratification first comes from when Netflix calls and says, we're about to launch the very first Kenyan series on Netflix. And it won't only be available in Kenya, regionally, in Africa. It will be available globally. That was such a humbling moment and a very proud moment for Kenyan film, you know, TV industry, for where we have reached, for them to have picked up this series. Because from my understanding, this series was already work in progress for many years. Netflix had seen a pilot and wanted to invest in it and came later on and joined the group of partners and investors, whatever the case, but... Netflix picking up a Kenyan series and putting it global because that's a start of many, I believe. I think when Nollywood was starting, we used to watch those films. Me, I come Kwanza from the old school era where we were watching films on tapes. So I come from that background when those days you had a few Nollywood films and then people used to frown at them like, hey, these local things. Now see where the local things have taken African entertainment at large. I remember very well the first Netflix African film was a film by Genevieve Mnaji. I don't know what it's called, but I remember me and Thomas, my hubby, were sitting down watching it, and it was just making us so tired as well. I don't know, something was up with the storyline, but anyway, you get the point. So when Netflix came on board, for me it was so amazing that they've seen our region, have seen our country, and then Getting an opportunity to work with Netflix together with my team, oh my God, oh my God. We just had to start to look at things differently because they come with the international way of working, how the company works. So how Netflix Africa works is the way Netflix Germany works. 
Dubai, wherever. So they have a way they shoot their content. They have a way they market their content. They have a way they organize their interviews. And I always, as a journalist and as a person who likes to you know, follow international news, I always see things happening. Like even when Lupita was on Black Panther, you know, yeah. you see the promo, you see the cast doing interviews and you're like, interesting. But you sort of don't understand how all these things work. So having a chance to work with Netflix also kind of educated me and my agency on actually how a film junket is run or a series junket. And when I say junket, it means like a series of interviews around a project and promoting them around a period of time. So what we did with Netflix was a press junket for Country Queen. And basically how we did it with Netflix, that was completely their style. You know, we were just adopting their style. They literally came down here to help us was to organize this junket. So you take a venue and it has like, say, three different spaces. You take the cast of an entire series, obviously the top cast, the top directors, and place them in different rooms. And also place them in different rooms thinking of the roles they play in the film, see whether their storylines have areas of intersection, and then invite various media to the various rooms and have them interviewed in batches. And it's quite technical in the sense that you have three rooms with different people and each one of the interviews takes like 15 minutes and when that finishes, they need to move to another one and another one and another one. But I found that that way provides so much value in a short time as opposed to trying to take six different cast members to, I don't know, 20 media tours over a period of two weeks. It's so much easy to, you know, create the space. So I think that's one thing I learned that we can take in and maybe duplicate for other projects. And then the other important thing that I learned from that experience is that the product is nothing. I think the product is like 20%. 80% is the PR, marketing, promotions, placement, and actually production of new assets to promote their product. Yeah. And I was like, what's happening? Because we had like a whole day of shoot with the cast members on just promotional material, promotional material. Yeah. And this is how the pros are doing it. And even recently, we had a meetup with the Semabox team because they had a meeting for all the podcasters at Semabox. And the founder, Dan Aceda, was telling us from 2024, I know you guys are producing your podcast, but I want to see you side-by-side side produce alternative content only for promotions, a lot of content. So that's the key thing. That's the thing Netflix is so good at doing. They're so good at all these things. And the alternative content, interestingly, is not just somebody saying, hi, I'm Aniko. I have a podcast called VIP Access. Go check it out. No, it's sometimes even fun and games, like doing quick fire, those kind of things. So I think what I've learned is content needs to be fun. Content needs to be quirky. And then we just have to also approach I think, the media in different ways. Like this kind of junket is a different format, but actually they were so happy. You know, we never had any place where we set different people in different rooms and give them the opportunity. Then when they went to another room, it was all different, all different people, but it was actually a good experience. To add to that, film is a space that is really growing and expanding in a big way. And Netflix would be able to do that because I can imagine their budget is from here to North Carolina and back. I mean, like, they have room. <laughs> they have room, you know. Not, for, not Timbuktu. They, no, we've gone further. But for, 
filmmakers, directors who are trying to put out their best work out there, but they have a shoestring budget, what do they do? One thing I've realized is planning, planning, and planning. You plan and plan and plan. You know that we have been given this, we are going to drop it on this day. What can you do to maximize, you know, to push it as much as you have a small budget? Are you going to create a campaign? Are you going to use your phones to create these other alternative content for promotion? If you will not have a billboard to put up there and have posters on malls and all that, what can you do with the little that you... So, don't get caught off guard. If you're a filmmaker, you're dropping your show tomorrow, and that's when you're looking for a publicist today. That will mess up with you. So, if you know the one thing you don't have is the luxury of money, utilize the time and leveraging on other things so that you can really maximize. Because I've seen great movies out there, but... They don't get to be, because there's no budget, and again, the planning was not as good, because the work begins when the movie comes out. I think another thing I'd like to add is, especially as filmmakers, your advantage is you already create content, right? So I think the thing is, it should be part of your process. Sometimes what she's saying is, right, I've worked with some filmmakers, and they wait to the very end. Try and make it part of your process from the beginning. So even before you start shooting, Make sure you're creating content at that point, you know, so that it's not so tedious. Because I talked about this thing recently, marketing fatigue with creatives. To create a body of work takes a lot, so much, right? And so by the time it's done, you're exhausted. You're like, I don't want to market. I'm done. Like, what are you telling me? So if you put it as part of your process, so it's kind of like, fine, I'm shooting a film, but I'm also going to shoot BTS. And I'm going to, so it's kind of part and parcel. So you're almost doing two in one. It makes it a lot easier. Think about where you want to go, as she's saying, plan in advance. And then also use the people around you. Make it a collective thing. A lot of times when it's your project, you think it's only you who has to market. right? Get everybody involved in the process of marketing and getting ideas. Because especially when you're on a budget, your biggest asset will be time. And your networks, yeah, yeah. yeah, and your ideas. I want to add something because also the feedback from the talent who were on Country Queen to us was like, I've never done this. I've never done a media tour. Some of them had never gone to an interview and were styled because obviously there was a budget for styling to look the part. And we also did a media training. And at the media training, there was somebody like Mombi Kaigua and Nini Washera, you know, legends in the game who were like, we've never done a media training. And basically, they actually did not want to do it. As a PR, they were asking me, what is this media training about? Because... You know, we've been in the game, we've never had to do a media training. And as a matter of fact, every interview we did misrepresented us, right? So I had to explain to them why it is so important for this media training and why no media will misrepresent us after this media training. And I'm so proud to say that they were so happy, especially someone like Mobika Igwa. She even sent me a message, she was like, me, I've never been represented like this in my entire career. So I think this just brings us back to the importance of PR and branding, why we're having this talk today. I want all the filmmakers, all the film stars to take themselves as professional, as the musicians, because musicians, they know. I have a song, I run to the radio station, I do a photo shoot, I present my bio. I feel like film stars are falling behind a little bit and they need to catch up. Hi everyone, 
Hi, ladies. Hi. My name is Nemar, or if you like, you can call me Nemar. Hey, yo, I'm a rapper, I'm a singer, and I'm a songwriter. My question is mostly focused on songwriting. And I've managed to write for a few international people through platforms where it's structured and we can the work done properly. And I'm still growing, I'm still starting the thing. My question is, how does the songwriting scene look in Kenya? Because I was coming here with, I thought, I'm going to tell Aniko, you hook me up with Saudi Soul so I can write music for their artists. Internationally, songwriters are valued. But in Kenya, do we value songwriters? Thank you for your question. And this is the joy of having the VIP access community. So I'm going to throw the answer to you via Wandiri. Thank you so much, Aniko. So I am Wandiri Karimi, and I am a musician who studied law. And I'm also the co-founder of the African Women's Orchestra, and I'm so glad that you do what you do. So the songwriting space is, I write my own songs, I perform my own songs, and a lot of the people who make a lot of money, the Babyface, the Emily Sunday, Sia, Lady Gaga, all those were songwriters first before they became artists. So yes, that's a space that we can work with and explore. And I think one of the things about musicians is it's very personal and you being willing to give your art to somebody else to express such a beautiful thing because not everybody is like you. The other thing you have to really, because I'm also an IP lawyer. Oh, I forgot to say that. Yes, so I'm an IP expert. My master's is in intellectual property, which is copyright, trademark, and all those wonderful things that get artists paid and creative industry people paid. So just make sure that when you're doing that, that you have a songwriting agreement in place so that, you know, what you contribute to that song is written for you to get the benefit, which is the royalty. And of course, your name has to be there. So your moral right and your economic right has to be taken care of. So your name has to be there and you have to get the money from it. And just quickly to add, I went to a Spotify event and they were talking about now on Spotify, they're specifically highlighting songwriters. So for all the work you've done, make sure that they have credited you and you can actually have an account just as a songwriter. So it's really important. And then the other thing I'd like to say, brand yourself, brand yourself. When someone goes to your social media, do they know that you're a songwriter? Even pitch there and say, I would like to write for so-and-so. You know, there are always these like challenges of like, I don't know, the remix challenge or the open verse challenge. Sing on that open verse because that's how you show people that you can songwrite for them. Sometimes people don't book you or don't know, especially in our market, because we're not there. We're not publicizing ourselves. And I know you're great. I've heard your stuff. It's super awesome. So I just say put it out there, you know, and coming to events like this is the key step in that. The one thing I would want to add on to the songwriting thing is to the artists who have made it and who are still coming up. Let us decolonize the mind when it comes to songwriting. It is okay to be written for songs. It is okay to admit Nimeshindwa. I have reached the epitome of my writing. Or it is okay to say this is different. Whatever I want to express is different. I am used to this and I'm looking for someone who can write like this. And when someone writes for you a song, if you're an artist, please give them credit where it's due. And please put their name and pay them. Because I have seen songwriters, especially in the gospel space, they write for other people, their name will never appear anywhere. Someone parambulating who could this artist bragging with this song, it's not theirs. 
And then this songwriter goes and gives it a block on YouTube because you have rights. So then we go back to the drawing board as a publicist. Why was the song removed on YouTube? Because I was written for and I never gave credit for that. Give credit where it's due and pay. And if you don't know how to compensate them, look for Wanderi. They will tell you the rate and how people are compensated. Pay for that. Majority of these top artists are written for music. It is okay to admit I can't be written for a song. My stronghold is singing, it's vocals, and I'm looking for support. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I just want to shout out Aniko for this lovely space. Let's have a round of applause for Aniko and team. The beautiful panelists, Nonsizi, Olivia. I'm a big fan of all of you. Yeah, so I think what I wanted to ask has already been put across, but I think where the music space is going right now, I feel like there's a lot of cloud chasing, like people doing a lot of stuff, Yani Kupata clicks, you know, engagement, attention. So I just wanted to ask the three of you your thoughts on using sort of like gimmicks to gain leverage. How do you use like cloud for your leverage? And what are your thoughts on cloud chasing? Because I personally don't gravitate towards Vitukawa Izo. You know, I just want the music to do the talking, you know, and then I can be able to... You and me come from the um, same kind of school of yeah. thoughts. I'm also not the cloud chaser, and I, I grabbed the mic because I know not has a I, lot. I see you. But I don't have a lot. I yeah. wanted to say cloud chasing actually is very important. And this era of uh, clickbait and TikTok is very important because I have seen, and I think we have all seen, TikTok change the lives of artists. Right now, Tyler from South Africa with the Water Challenge. This song would never be white. Nominated for a Grammy. Why? Because of pouring water on herself in that song. And I actually watched her video yesterday. She was being interviewed. She said, my life changed because I was in Rwanda performing. And I said, oh, give me that water. I'll pour it on myself. Yeah. And she put that on TikTok. So there are certain things artists do that professional, old school PR people like me see. And are like, what is that? But let yeah. me tell you, cloud chasing, if it's done the right way with the right intent and not being disrespectful to a people and to an audience, can actually take you very far. You know, it's okay. just like to what extent are you yeah. cloud chasing? To what extent are you doing kiki? They call it kiki. Yeah, kiki. But see what the kiki has done for them. Let me ask, Aniko, do you like factor that like when an artist approaches you to like do their rollout, like their media strategy, do you sort of like think about ways for an artist to gain virality and generate buzz outside of the media stuff? And most, most definitely, you just don't know where it's going to come from. I always factor that. Even when Saudi Soul were dancing with Obama in Bukuru Kenyatta, I, I visualized that. When yeah. you were invited to the State House, I said, you will have to find a way to dance with the president, and I will record yes. the thing, and it will go viral. Yeah. I said it. I knew it was going to happen. And we were sitting at the dinner. There were all these secret service people standing by the... You can imagine, like, a yeah. president of America. And they had things. Yeah. And they have the, they yeah. have the suits. And they're watching. And some have shades. And it's at night. And we're having dinner. And some yeah. people are performing. And I already told Saudi, so you have to find a way to dance with the president. So I had a plan. I had a strategy. Not always the plan that the strategy works, but... I always had that, and we always have to have a plan in this budget. I have a story. I mean, this is another podcast yeah, yeah. of the day, but I found myself there, so I just kind of pretended I was going to the loo and went to the wall and 
They yeah. said that I was on the phone and by the time they started dancing with the president, I took the video and I already had the caption because I knew it would happen. And I posted it. And so we have to adapt to the times, yeah, basically. Yeah, before anyone yeah. did it. And that's how the thing was viral. And coming from South Africa, well, that's the other point. Come you on. You want to be viral using your own platform. Yeah. You don't want to be viral, but it's the blogger from West Africa who posted you. Okay, but what about the whole tabloids and, you know, because I feel like media thrives on tabloids over here in Kenya specifically. You know, a lot of the the more like prominent media spaces and outlets like the Mpashos, the Gaflas, you know, as a publicist, I'll write about the music and I'll talk about the artist and how good their music is and why you should listen to them. But Gafla doesn't really want to listen about that. They want, uh, okay, who is he dating? Who is she? Some sensationalism, you know. So is that still something you you factor in even when you're doing something like your press release? Actually, it's not just in Africa. Yeah. If you followed the story of Meghan Marco and everyone, the royals and all that, yeah? Tabloids are very big in the developed world. It's just that it's getting here now. What I would say, we can't run away from the era we are in. We are in an era where 60,000 of you are releasing music from Kenya today. How am I going to stand out? Do I have a problem with clout myself? No. I have a problem with cheap clout. I have a problem with clout that is not well thought through. My journey started in a record label. I'm going to name it because I'm proud of it. My journey started at Ogopa DJs. And I was a receptionist. Oh, anyway, that's a story for another day. But we all know that they ruled the airwaves then. You know? You know, they were getting the airplay and their names, they were being written on pulse when pulse was, you know, when it was giving us the palpitations. And the one thing I realized with the owners of the label is that they had thought through the process of this release. Don't tell me you're releasing today because we have done a song with Alfaya, we are getting married. Think through that, Clout. There's some Clout you see and you're like, this is a song coming out. And now you're leaking that part of the song and you want us to believe that it was really leaked. Have a creative thought process behind the cloud that you want to say it is cloud. You know, if you want to do a couple's thing, well and good. The tabloids will pick as much information as you give them. As an artist, if you're not giving out information, then where will the tabloids pick that information from? That's why it's very important to structure the information that you are putting out there. So we cannot overlook the importance of the kiki. And let me tell you, people out there, they believe those kikis, by the way. And again, it has to align with the artists. The artists who thrive with that, the artists who shine. Like Diamond, I think him, he just wakes up and I have not disturbed these people. What am I going to give them? It also depends with the artists. And if you're not that kind of an artist, there are other ways of pushing your music. So if you're not a cloud person, let your team not direct you into that direction. If you have to go that, let it be thought through a creative process to it. That's what I would say, yeah. Hi, Anjiko. So I have a question. So when it comes to many artists, they tend to find themselves in a lot of scandals. So as PR people, we do a lot of holding statements we do a lot of press releases, and we feel like the crisis has already been settled. But the question is, 
how do you reposition that particular artist to a point where their brand values are not compromised? I think when there's a scandal, everyone is saying things about you and you're constantly feeling like I need to respond. Some people will still trash that statement and say, this did not come out when it's supposed to come out. It's not professional. It's not well said. I don't feel it has answered me. The answer is move on and come back to yourself and come back to your staff. That's actually the best time to release another song. That's it. That's it. Just when you focus on the thing, the people will still get excited by you focusing on it and the interaction will continue fueling it. So if you have said a statement or you said sorry, just move on. But then you can't move on and again be quiet for a long time. You just need to release something and change the narrative. That's it. Called to handle a scandal or a crisis, the first question I always ask the personality is, is it true or not? Not that I want to expose you. I want to know where you're coming from. Because as a publicist, as your manager, the one thing that you owe us as a team is the truth. So that when we are even fighting for you out here, clearing your name, we already know where it is. So it depends with the situation. And that's why you need to have people who have sanity speaking into it. Because there are some things you can leverage on, they're going to damage you forever. There are some instances you really need to stand for your brand. If you have built it for a long time and someone is trying... So it all depends with the situation. The artists who are big, they can have a presser about it. I don't know if you have watched Kevin Hart's Netflix documentary you can't this up you saw when he went to the club and the friends were not there and one minute this lady comes lures him and there's a video of him going round, and that's when he cheated on his wife well according to what he was telling you know there's of course another side of the story but it's very good first of all because scandals come from either people who are infiltrating information from your team you know, there are some things that are very personal to you and you want to know you to have around. But if it comes out, how are you going to respond to it? Who do you have within you who can keep you sane? Because most of these scandals is a bab roll. So it's what you know. That those are the things that sometimes you have a heated moment. So it's very good to surround yourself with people who can keep you sane. But when it comes out, no, is it worth giving your attention and time? Or is it worth not? So yeah. And I see Mamito in the building. Shout out, Mamito! Okay, that last question. How do you manage artists engaging with politics or the political? When they decide to go ahead with it, just tell them there are some places you'll be given blackout, you'll never perform some other places. This is what it means for you to align yourself with it politically because some of them are have activist souls in them. You can't burn out that fire. So just tell them, you decided to go this route. This is what we will deal with. It's not easy. Some have pros and cons. Put everything on the table depending on your experience and let them choose. If they decide to go ahead, well and good. If they don't, then perfect. So, but there are, of course, implications of either or. The last question. Hi, guys. Hi. I want to applaud each and every one of us who's here. You're already making an effort of shifting the dynamic the way she is saying the bit about the exposure, you're already one step closer to making your dream come true. Number two, I'd like for us to be our own supporters. Three quarter of us who came here, none of us know who is who, but you're sitting here getting contacts of people who might be actually your dream changers. So please don't take this for granted. 
take it as a stepping stone and be what you can be in the spirit of there is a casting director somewhere. I'd like to encourage us, can we go watch plays, watch movies at K1 for the next one month? They have Kenyan movies. Please show up. Your creatives, Mondays are your off days. Go disengage. I mean, that's why you're here. You're here working. So tomorrow, go have a drink at K1, disengage. Um, they're having a very beautiful film. I'm looking forward to watching it. It's a Somali film. They'll have a panel like this of directors. Ask all the questions you want. Be the change you want to believe in. So thank you. Thank you so much. And it's on that note that we finish this wonderful episode and recording. Be the change that you want. <laughs> Featuring Olivia Ambani. Don't see the Agnes. And you are truly. I would like to thank you all for being part of this wonderful recording of the essentials of PR and branding for artists in the creative sector. I want to thank PR District for giving us the opportunity to set up here. Thank you so much to the Australian High Commission for supporting. We will be back next week with another amazing episode with amazing females. Yeah.